mindfulness mode. Find out who you are, why you're here, and be intentional about pursuing whatever it is you think you're here for. Hey, Mindful Tribe. I'm here today with an engineer from Microsoft. And on his website, here's what it says. It says in very prominent lettering, building prosperity for blacks through an equity stake in technology. And Mm -hmm. I think this is really going to be connected to mindfulness. I just have this feeling. And he has accomplished so much over the years. He was one of the first black entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley, and he developed mission critical custom enterprise apps for Steve Jobs' next computers. And, you know, I read over all this stuff and I'm kind of wowed by all of this. He uh, is now working on a collaboration in the U.S. Virgin Islands, developing a strong tech ecosystem. And I did some work in the U.S. Virgin Islands too, so we'll be talking about this. But I'm here today with William A. Adams. William, are you in mindfulness mode today? Definitely mindful. That's great. Well, <laughs> I even mindfully changed my clothes just for this interview. Oh, well, I'm impressed. Looks great. <laughs> so what does mindfulness mean to you, William? Yeah, I was thinking about that and I, I, I wrote down a couple of words uh-huh. and it it's boils down to conscious intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mindfulness to me. It means that I go through life and maybe we'll get into my life creed, but uh, I go through life with intention and I try to act, be actively intentional um, as much as possible. I won't say every moment of the day, but as much as possible, um, I'm consciously intentional. And that's what mindful, my mindfulness practice is about that. Right, consciously intentional. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a great place to start because the more intentional we can be, I think the better it is a lot of times. And certainly, yeah. uh, you know, not as connected to the outcomes as maybe, you know, maybe everybody is. Sometimes that's a, a thing that we talk about. But let's talk about this tagline, building prosperity for blacks through an equity stake in technology. Tell me about this and tell me about your passion. Yeah, so I created this word called tequity, um, which encapsulates exactly the quote you just said. Uh-huh. And what I've done is essentially said, okay, I've been in tech for my entire life, my entire adult life, and I have certain expertise and I've accomplished certain things and whatnot. And I see, I look into the world and I say, all right, well, um, where is the, who, who has influence? <laughs> who has influence? Who has agency? Who and how do they have that? And a lot of times it means you have to have income. Right. I mean, the simple fact is in this world, um, having a good income and having income you can pass down through generation, you know, intergenerational wealth is uh, gives you more agency, you know, definitely. Now, that doesn't mean everyone has to be a billionaire, but it is a fact that if you don't have any money, your agency, your self agency is diminished. That's just a simple fact of the way the world works. So I look at what I've done. I said, well, now everyone isn't going to get into tech, um, but for those who are, tech is really a top-notch um, uh, wealth generator at this moment. In the earlier 1900s, it was about um, being a steel baron or a railroad tycoon or you know a financier. Those were the things, and those are all the people that have the names on the buildings. Right today, 
you know, you look at a top 10 list of Forbes and top six are tech dudes, right? Definitely. Billionaires in the world. And it shows in the influence that they have in what we pursue, you know, what we do. I mean, every single one of us has one of these little devices in our pockets, mm -hmm. right? Why? Well, because tech has driven us in that direction. So it's a clear indicator to me that if you want your tribe, if you will, uh, to be prosperous and have self-agency and self-determination, you need to help them. I know tech. <clears throat> so I, and it's not the only answer. I know tech. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm going to help people with. It's like, well, I know it works for me. Um, so let me help people who think this will work for them. Let me get, help them get a leg up. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's everything from teaching people how to code to how to get a job to how to build a business around tech to how to look at tech in everything that we do. I was just on a farm yesterday mm -hmm. and we were talking, well, how could we use tech to help on the farm? Right. So Techwity is all about that. Just looking at the tech angle to personal wealth uh, development. Right. Right. And you are an award-winning DNI, diversity and inclusion innovator. So yeah. tell me about how you got into doing this and, and tell me about the awards that you have won. Okay. So the um, Microsoft has a program called Microsoft Leap. And uh, at this point, that that is not an acronym. That's just the name of the thing. Mm -hmm. um, in 2015, it actually starts way back in 2006 in India. But in 2015, um, I was given the task or I chose to take on the task of um, improving the hiring of women and minorities in technical roles mm -hmm. in the company uh, because it's just one of those perennial problems, right? right? It's like, oh, where are the people? Oh, their pipeline is no blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, we're going to solve this, <laughs> right? And so we created this program and what I identified was there's no lack of people. They're just all over the place, but we don't know classically. We didn't know how to look at them properly uh -huh. right like how do you look at the um the person who was classically trained in some stem fields but perhaps they were a lab technician mm -hmm. right they're not they didn't get a cs degree right but they work with computers all the time and then they put themselves through a coding academy or something and they're code savvy but they have no entree into the company because they didn't come through a college cs program and they don't have industry experience in CS. So we just never look at the resume, right? Mm -hmm. So the solution to that was to create an um, apprenticeship program where we did in fact look to those people and say, well, what you need is just a longer interview. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you need a three month interview and let's call it an apprenticeship, right? <laughs> right? Uh -huh. And let's team you up with an engineering team. Let's do some classroom instruction. And at the end of it, um, we're better equipped to offer you a job or not, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so that was the premise of the program. And we did it in cohorts, you know, initially it was like 20, 30 people at a time. And now they do these mega cohorts of like 120 people at a time. But we have done it since 2015. Uh, the award came in 2020, mm -hmm. um, where our company recognized uh, this as the most innovative program, the most innovative, I don't know if we call it diversity program, um, of the year. Okay. Right? So we got the award within the company. And then beyond that, um, I wouldn't call it an, uh, 
award, but it's recognition. We're a federally uh, accredited apprenticeship program in the US. Mm -hmm. And we're working on doing that around the world, right? Because apprenticeship means something very specific. Uh, so it's a federally accredited program, which means that people can point at it and say, we should do what they're doing. Yes. <laughs> and recently, um, and I don't run the program now, my, my co-creator um, partner does. Uh, and she was recently at the White House because they have this board that has gotten together of um, various people that have various apprenticeship programs. Mm -hmm. And they're going to, you know, tell the rest of the country, hey, this is how it should be done. Right. Right. So in seven years, we went from head scratcher, how do we hire more women and minorities to um, award winning and federally recognized and our customers are now asking us, well, how do you do that? Do it for us. We'll even pay you, <laughs> uh -huh. right? Yes. Uh, so that that's what's happened with Leap, and it came from coming back to intention, um, conscious intention. Is my intention was to create such a program and just get over this hump of we don't know how to hire women and minorities. It's like we do. We just need to train ourselves, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not the problem. We're the problem. So let's train ourselves in how to look at people differently. Okay. And change the the hiring practices and that's what we've done well that's great that's that's really wonderful that you've done that tell me about mindfulness in the work you do in the life you lead how does mindfulness play a role yeah so this goes um back to uh i mentioned india briefly yeah. back in what year was that 2005 uh -huh. so 2005 i'm roughly 40 years old um and I was, uh, until that point, just a classic sort of engineering person, which is go get the engineering job, do the work, deliver the code, just keep doing that, to, to keep turning the, tr the crank. It's automatic. There's nothing mindful. There's no mindfulness in it. Right. There's no conscious effort. It's just automatic, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, around 20, 2005, it was a life-changing sort of thing. I was going through a divorce and, you know, I'm 40 mm -hmm. and... You know, you, I took a step back. I was on a beach in Hawaii and I just kind of sat down and went, what's it all about? Mm -hmm. Why? Why am I doing what I'm doing? What mistakes have I made in my life? Let's look at my relationships. Let's look at how much money I made. Let's look at it all. Lay it all bare and come to, um, come to grips with who I am, what I'm doing and why, mm -hmm. right? And at that time, um, I decided to create what I call my life creed. Uh, it has meaning. So L is um, learning. And these, these are words I wanted to live by. Like, okay, I've been on autopilot up until this point. How am I going to go forward? Right? And so I came up with this life creed. Uh, L is for learning. Mm -hmm. And I just told myself, everything in my life is about learning. Right? Why am I on the planet? I'm here to learn. <laughs> right so this was the first one i is intentional um i intend to be uh going through life not on autopilot right i want to do every action that i do is because i want to do it and it leads towards this learning or whatever mm -hmm. right it's intention uh not autopilot uh f is fearless and fearless is not reckless. It does not mean that I'm going to jump out of a plane without a parachute and just hope for the best. Woo yeah. I, fearless is not being afraid to confront uh, what's in front of you, 
right? Um, you get a bad review score. Don't be afraid of that. Dig into it, right? Be honest with yourself and say, well, why was that, you know? Uh, or fearless is, okay, um, there's a lot of uh, civil unrest in the world. Don't shrink from it. What is your part in it? What do you think about it? What conversations can you have with people? And don't be afraid to have those conversations with people, right? And then E is for empathetic. I do not want to be a hermit on a hill, isolated, you know, Buddhist, you know, with snails growing on my head. That's not what I'm, I care about people. Mm -hmm. And through my various practices, I care about my fellow man. I want to integrate with them and impart whatever I can, you know, yeah. um, not in an imperialistic sort of, I know better than you way, but I want to make myself available and say, Hey, I've learned some things. If you can learn from these things too, I'm open. Right. So L-I-F-E. So every um, every day, those words guide what I do. Mm -hmm. And this was the center of my mindfulness. And then I um, and I thought, OK, great. What is uh, one of the questions as well? How do you how do you what is your mindfulness practice? And I'll tell you the simplest thing uh, that I do is every morning when I wake up, um, I decide which way to thread the belt on my pants. Okay. And just think about it for a second. It's like, just ask yourself quickly, which way do you thread your belt? I can guarantee you it's to the left. Uh, Is that true? Uh, it's to the right, actually. All right, then. You're, you're slightly different. So most of the time, people thread it to the left. Okay. Like they, they stick it they in. Push it in on the left, left first and around? Yeah. Oh, push it on the left. And, right. So what I do is I don't do I do left or right and I decide that day. Okay. Right now I don't know if you decide left or right each day or if you just always thread it to the right. I always right? do. Yeah. Yeah, and you've probably done it because that's the way it was done to you when you were a child, and that's just the way it is, right? Um, just like you oh. wear your watch on your left, unless you're left-handed, then you might wear it on the right. Yeah. I've always worn it on the right. So I decide which way to thread my belt every morning. Uh -huh. That's my first intentional act. Right. Yeah. Because it puts me in the right mindset where it's like, don't do the automatic thing. And I try not to game it. I don't try to go, well, like yesterday I did it to the right. So today I'm going to do the left. It's yeah. like, just make a decision uh -huh. and be intentional and thread the belt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, that's how I start my intentional practice. And it's just to remind myself that I need to make conscious decisions. Right. right. That's all it is. So anyway, that's very that's where it comes from. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that is yeah. very interesting. And then do you have any kind of form of meditation in your life? Yeah, for me, the um, so I'm Muslim, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a daily practice of five prayers a day. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say that's my meditation. Besides that, um, and they're morning, you know, mid-afternoon, afternoon, evening, and night. Um, those are meditation moments for me because you're sitting down and many people have different um, uh, practices like this. You're sitting down and you're just calming your mind and recentering and saying, okay, um, let's have a little conversation with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my meditation moment. I'm not quite as um, intensive of doing like a yoga practice or something like that with you know, breathing exercises and whatnot. But this is my meditation where I'm just centering in my head and saying, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. 
That's what I do. Very, very good. And I want to ask you about your work that you're doing in the U.S. Virgin Islands. This sounds fascinating. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this starts from, and this is all very interesting because it's like, well, I thought you said you're a software guy. What's all this stuff you're doing? It's like, software is just a tool, you know, yeah. this is uh, this is what the tool is used for. Um, so I have a brother uh, who, he runs this uh, fiber optic network in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Mm -hmm. And he's been after me for a couple of years, like, hey, you, know, you should bring Microsoft, you should bring Microsoft. You know, we have all this infrastructure. It'll be really good for you guys and for the local community. So I finally went there last year uh, with a contingency of people, a contingent of people. Um, and the, the intention was to just say, all right. And, and I said this during a, an actual speech. We had this whole multi-day conference with government and university and stuff like that. And I told them, look, uh, we're not here as the capitalist overlords or the imperialists or the new slavers, frankly. Um, I come with you to you with all humility. We have some tools that might be useful to help your community grow because you have this um, tech infrastructure that's underutilized. And I think we can help you utilize it and grow your economy and grow your uh, place in the world, you know, mm -hmm. techity, sure. right? So we had this meeting for a couple of weeks, actually, and we set out some things to do. Uh, one of them was to help them improve the STEM, um, the STEM uh, academics for the school, K through 12. Mm -hmm. So we have a set of people down there who are helping them with curriculum um, and helping them with the degree programs and all sorts of stuff, right? Uh, on top of that, our sales group is connected with them because we recognize that they have, uh, they actually buy Microsoft products mm -hmm. and all the money goes off island okay. <laughs> because the salespeople are off in Puerto Rico or wherever they are. Right. So we help them get set up with um, a sales organization on island. So all that money that they're spending on our products stays in their economy, right? Mm -hmm. And doesn't leave so quickly, right? Um, and then it's just being conscious uh, of saying, all right, we're going to bring talent here to give talks and mentor people and all these other sorts of things. So I'm just trying to help improve the tech footing of the, that space because they themselves are like, we want to do that, but we don't have the resources or connections to do it. So I'm bringing connections and resources and it's transforming, right? Um, and we did that because I, previously I'd done similar in uh, Kenya and Nigeria, mm -hmm. where we actually now have um, engineering centers in those two countries. Um, and it's slightly different because they're big countries, right? Yeah. In the islands, there's only 100,000 people. Sure. But the, the formula is the same, right? It's like, well, let's create tech jobs. That's the bottom line. We want to create tech jobs. So let's um, uplift the workforce such that they can take tech jobs on island, preferably. Uh, so that's what it's all about. Uh, very good. You hold two <laughs> patents. Can you tell us about your patents that you hold? Yeah, one of them, these are pretty old, but they're basically um, back in the 90s, 1991 or 19, yeah, 1991. Uh, the first one is about... Um, um, method for doing collaboration. So the fact that you can nowadays, you can 
open up a, a Google Doc or a Word Doc, and you can be editing, and another person can be editing at the same time. Right. Right. Um, so that feature hasn't existed in the modern world for the last until mm, maybe five or ten years. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not been here that long. Um, my patent was about that <laughs> the techniques that are required to make that sort of thing happen uh, the first patent was about just distributed lock management like how is it that you can highlight some text and say i'm going to edit that and all the people that are in the network that are doing it at the same time they negotiate right right uh, so that was the first patent was about that um, the other patent had to do with just um, instant messaging um in general and then there's actually a third one that's with microsoft that has um has to do with this thing called xml um, and how you create applications using xml um but the earlier and that was like 2005 I okay think. um the earlier one i think is more impressive because it was the precursor to all these other things that came later and they came much later right <laughs> right it's like that that kind of sat there and you see references to later prep that referenced that patent, you know, yeah. from the likes of like Microsoft and whatnot. And at the time, um, it's my name. It's the only name on the patent. And it was early work that not a lot of people were doing at that time. Um, so it was very uh, interesting. And other things that flowed through that was we had instant messenger kind of apps uh, back then. So again, that's like 1990, 1991. Um, we had the per precursors to what we now call instant messengers or mm -hmm. whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but back then we didn't even have the broad internet, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it was local area network, um, mm -hmm. based, but the same idea, you can type text and you can send pictures and video clips and voice clips and all that. And it, um, it did all that kind of stuff. I, I mentioned that you were one of the first black entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. What was that like? Was that difficult? <laughs> at that time to be that person it's difficult now it's still difficult okay <laughs> yeah absolutely tell me how it yeah. in what ways is it difficult um well just think of this uh <laughs> just imagine you know uh I'll, I'll tell you some stories that'll put it in yeah uh, stark relief uh my brother and i decided to start a company it was called Adamation, mm -hmm. and uh, we created a little business plan and all of a sudden we had a briefcase yeah. and, you know, our aunt who worked at IBM helped us do this. And we created this business plan and we got our first customer and we had money. Yeah. Now we go to a bank and it was like, oh, we need to open a bank account. Yeah. Right. We're not trying to borrow money. We're just, we need a place to put our money yes. and have a checking account, all this sort of stuff. And the bank just said, no. <laughs> they did. We're, not going, we're not going to let you open an account. Here. Oh my gosh. It's like, what do you mean? It's just an account. <laughs> what? what? Well, like, no. yeah. And they give us some line about, you know, oh, you know, most small businesses fail and you probably won't do good at it and blah, blah, blah. Oh. It's like, why is that your business? Yeah. Just give us the account. Just let us open an account. Yeah. Right. So that's the kind of thing we run into. Or certainly if you try to raise money, uh -huh. you know, VC money. Silicon Valley, just go up Sand Hill Road and, you know, open your, your purse and they fill it with money. Right. Unless you're black or a woman. Wow. I mean, we literally had people tell us, um, we, we don't give money to people like you, oh, right? Wow. For whatever that means. And it's like, okay. So there's, there's many impediments 
for minorities and women uh, to get VC money. And you can look at the numbers. It's like fewer, less than 3% of VC money goes to women or minority-owned businesses. So less than 3%. So the odds are stacked against you from the funding source, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you're, just, you're just not in the flow. That's all there is to it. Uh, even with all the efforts we've had post-George Floyd, it's like, we're going to do better. It's like, really? How much better have you done? 1%? Mm. Not that? Okay. So nothing's changed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the, that's the challenge. And this actually ties back to mindfulness. It's like, you better know what you're doing and why and have strong conviction about it because the path is not laid out for you, right? It's, it's not easy to begin with. Most small businesses do fail. Yeah. Uh, and for you, extra much. <laughs> wow. Right. Wow. But your business yeah. did succeed. We succeeded for a few years. Um, all this uh, history, we're actually, my brother and I are uh, in the Computer History Museum in Silicon Valley. Oh, really? They did a big spread. We did like seven hours of interview. Um, and they did a nice write up and all this sort of mm -hmm. stuff because, you know, original black guys in Silicon Valley. Uh, there weren't very many of us back then. Um, things have changed somewhat, but it, the story is pretty much the same. Right. There still aren't a lot, are there? Not really. You know, you can now count us in the hundreds or even thousands, uh, but the whole scene has grown by that much. Sure. Percentage-wise, pretty small still. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, that's disappointing, isn't it? Well, <laughs> Be mindful. Yes. <laughs> you better know. <laughs> you better know uh, what your intentions are, and go after it uh, with vigor, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or yeah, you're not going to end up with much of anything. Just bitterness. Yeah, and bitterness doesn't serve anybody, does it? No. No. I always ask a question about bullying, and uh, that's because I've worked in this field for a long time. Do you have a story you can share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yeah, I think the, um, I thought about this as like, well, not as a child, mm -hmm. because when I was a child, um, my father passed away when I was seven. Mm -hmm. And my brother, my bigger brother, you know, who is two and a half years older than me, was the man of the house. And, you know, he was an angry young black man. Mm -hmm. So at school, he did not allow anyone to mess with me. Uh, he, he let it be known that if you mess with my brother, you're going to answer to me. And he was a fighter. Okay. So no one at school messed with me. Um, I would say that bullying in the real world, though, um, manifests in many different ways from microaggressions to the stuff we were just talking about, yes. you know, not, not getting VC money. And the way mindfulness uh, helps in this environment, and I'll call this bullying, um, is that you, uh, again, it, it comes down to conscious intentions. If you know what and why, it helps you through those moments, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I try to, uh, I'm faced with all sorts of stuff every day. And I have to look at myself and say, well, but what am I about? Who am I? Um, where's my center? Where's my sense of self? Where do I get my value from? And it's, I try to make it focus on me, not external things, because then I can weather those little storms. So-and-so called me a name. So-and-so didn't give me this. So-and-so did that. 
that's a lot of so-and-sos doing, 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 but what does that have to do with me? This doesn't tell me who I am, <laughs> right? It's just the environment. Right. So being mindful is sticking to, well, I know my life creed. I know why I'm here. I know what my conscious intentions are. I'm going to stick with that. So I think mindfulness helps you buttress against what the world pushes at you on a constant basis, right? You can call it bullying, but it's just the way the world is. It's not fair, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's a tough world out there. It's a competitive sport living is. So I think being mindful gives you a leg up because it allows you to stay centered on yourself and not get pulled in all these directions where people are trying to name you and pigeonhole you and tell you who you are and what you are and what your value is. It's like, no, if you have a mindfulness practice, you know who you are and you know how to recenter on that in a constant basis, right? So it helps you buttress against just the world. Right, that makes sense. Yes. I know your website is William dash a dash adams.com. Yep. Yeah. You got to get those dashes in there. What would we expect to find at your website, William? Um, well, it starts with a big, bold statement, you know, and I'm trying to lead people towards um, equity, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But what you'll find there is like, I, I'm I would say over the last year, I've just been trying to, you know, (laughs) be mindful about becoming uh, who I am outside of my Microsoft persona, right? It's like, yeah, I've been in Microsoft 24 years, which means I'm no one other than a Microsoft employee, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So now over the last year, I'm trying to become William A. Adams. Right and speak my truths and convey my values and, you know, impart my wisdom and stuff like that. So you find on my website, lots of podcasts that I've done. We now have listed, um, I do old style blogging. I write code articles, you know, um, I have appearances and where I'm giving speeches. So all the media that is associated with me is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus the ventures that I might be involved in um, philanthropic, philanthropic, um, philanthropic, uh, adventures or whatever, mm-hmm. um, anything about, and of course the social media links, you know, LinkedIn and, uh, Twitter and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. So anything about me is like, ah, oh, go to my website. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. All right. The first one Let's is go. this. Who is one person that has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Oh my gosh. Mindfulness influence. That's a hard one. The only, the only one I could possibly think of would be Gandhi. Okay. Really? Yeah. Um, because it's very much about being mindful. Yeah. Um, I would say the Buddha, but that's that's too old. That's only literary. So Gandhi would be the closest one, I think. Yeah. Very good. Well, my second question is about um, emotions and about, you know, how do you find you deal with your emotions differently as a result of mindfulness? Um, since I have a life creed that says, you know, the first word is learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can look at any situation that might make me, let's say, angry. Yeah. Say, all right, well, what's to be learned about this? 
what is the opportunity? And I'll give you an example in the 30 seconds. Uh, we lived in uh, LA for a few months and we were in an apartment and the people below us were very angry that we made too much noise. And I went to them one day and said, well, how can I help, you know, reduce the noise or what, what's really bothering you? Mm -hmm. And this person was just irate, wouldn't listen, wasn't just angry and slammed the door in my face. It was like, okay, that's on her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, you know, work it out. Yeah. And, and I could have been like yelling back at her and getting all up in arms, blah, blah, blah. But I took a step back and go, okay, she's not having a good time. That has not, it's not because of me. It's because of her, you know? And I tried to learn from the situation like, well, I'm going to take the high road here. We're still going to try to be quieter, you know, yeah. because I've heard the complaint. Um, but I can't satisfy her. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to try to satisfy her. I'm going to try to do my best. Sure. For who I am. Uh, so that's that's the kind of thing where I, I just turn emotions into learning opportunities. And I don't shy away from this. Like, my heart was broken. So-and-so broke up with me. Yeah. Okay, what do we learn from that? Right? Yeah. I don't, I don't try to put the emotion away. Yes. I try to say, what can I learn from that? Right. That's that's how I deal with emotions. Uh, that's that's good. I want to talk about breathing, William. Uh, as an engineer, are there certain times when you focus on breathing or do you have any comments on breathing and how it applies to your life? Yeah, I, I went to a, a homeopathic doctor a few years ago. Or I should say naturopath. They're not homeopathic. <clears throat> and I uh, went through this breathing um, study. Mm -hmm. And we figured out the perfect rhythm for my breathing is like seven counts in, hold it, seven counts out to try to make your uh, heart rate uh, even. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that uh, having done that practice a few times and every once in a while, I'll, I'll actually put on this, um, we made a, a audio thing that has the beats, you know, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. So just to help you recenter. I do that every once in a while and I do it with in relationship to exercise usually uh, because that's where I really need to practice. Uh, that's where it's most acute, mm -hmm. I think. On a daily basis, sitting at my desk, um, probably not so much. You know, I mean, I practice getting up and taking breaks, um, but I, I can't say that I really get into my breathing when I'm studying. Um, it's best just to walk away from my computer. Right. <laughs> it's the better thing to do. Sure. So. And that breathing will probably come when you do that. Yeah. And it's really helpful. And my wife will tell me every once in a while when I'm pulling my hair out, I was like, I can't figure this out. It's like, why don't you just step away? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go on a walk. <laughs> yeah, for sure. My next question is about a book. Is there a book that you would recommend that has anything to do with mindfulness or being calm or grounded or anything like that? Yeah, that's a really hard one. I mean, it, for me, um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks of late, and I, I can't say that uh, any of those in particular were about mindfulness. In my past, I've done a lot of study of a lot of um, philosophy, religions, um, meditation practice and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, I would say an underlying thing that really helped me was um, uh reading about Buddhism mm -hmm. in particular, because this has most to do with um, mindfulness and intentions and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so probably referring back to some um, uh, Buddhist texts going, you know, uh, yeah, but on a daily basis, I wouldn't say that it's like, oh, yeah, you know, 
this particular mindfulness book. And I'm, I'm not really into that in particular, sure. but the underpinnings of it and the philosophy of where it came from, I get rooted in. And then I just try to apply my own practices along the way. Sure. That makes sense. Any apps that you use or you ever recommend that can help to stay grounded? No, actually. And, and I, I, the reason I don't is because it, the technology can be anti-intentional. Mm -hmm. um, the technology, like I have this uh, Apple watch here yeah. and it has a thing that tells you, you should breathe now, yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, or it's time for you to stand up. And I see the alerts come up and they go, oh, okay. Um, but I actually wouldn't want an app to tell me remember to put your belt on one way or the other today because it's anti-intentional. It's yeah. automatic. Yeah. It leads me towards the automatic. So what I try to do is instead of relying on the apps, I might use the prompts a little bit, but I don't want to rely on something to tell me what to do because then I'm not intentional. Right. I'm just programmed yeah. <laughs> and I'm on automatic mode. So I don't really rely on much apps. I do in fact use, um, the things like the heart rate monitor, uh -huh. you know, or there's a EEG thing or um, it can check your breathing and stuff like that. Uh, mostly heart rate monitor because I do check every once in a while. Um, okay, I just had a heated conversation. Let's check the heart rate. Okay, yeah. Let's calm down and then I might do breathing, right? Um, but I don't let the app take um, the intentions away. Right. Right. I don't let the apps make me run on autopilot, even though I'm a technologist. Yeah. You know, it's like, yes, but I know how to use the technology uh, to work for me rather than me working for the technology. I don't want that because it removes my intention. Right. Uh, but that's what I do. I, I probably use the heart rate monitor more than anything else. And I use it to say, well, where am I at? Why is my heart rate at 96? <laughs> because you're angry. You need to calm down. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go breathe. <laughs> well, right. it's a real pleasure to get to know you, to know an engineer at Microsoft. And my, my son says, I have great respect for engineers. And mm. uh, I do too, because I think that you've done wonderful things and you've done a lot of things to change the world and make the world a better place. And you're also a person who comes across as very happy and relaxed and grounded. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Do you have any final words of advice for <laughs> our audience? Maybe there's somebody listening that doesn't feel relaxed and grounded and happy right now. What are your words of advice? Um, I've been giving these words of advice to a lot of people lately for some reason. And it has to do with just finding your, um, figure out who you are and what you're, what, your why you're here and what is your intention mm -hmm. um, and it's a hard i just had this conversation with my older daughter yesterday and i was telling her you know a lot of it has to do with just understanding who you are but and she's 27 and it's like unfortunately you're too young for this to mean anything to you okay. <laughs> right you you're you're not you haven't had enough experiences where this is going to matter but my advice to anyone is find out who you are, why you're here, and be intentional about pursuing whatever it is you think you're here for, right? I mean, it's kind of nebulous advice, but that's that's the only advice I can really give to people other than, hey, let's love each other and love yourself and <laughs> be kind to yourself, 
Uh, that's advice one of my friends gave to me. It's like, be kind to yourself because there's no point in beating yourself up in life. No, I think that's all really good advice. I appreciate meeting you so much, William, and, and it's been a great conversation. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. Well, thank you for having me. It was really fun. My pleasure. Bye now. All right. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for uh, being here to to hear William. And uh, thank you to my sponsor, Athletic Greens. Let me tell you a little bit about it. The product, AG1, is a product that I've been taking now for a few weeks, and it's really a great product. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial ingredients, and it's just a great way to get your greens it really is it's uh, a product that i really trust and so do seven thousand more than seven thousand people that have given it five star reviews uh, people like tim ferris you might have heard of him all kinds of people believe in this product so here's a special offer that i mentioned earlier but here it is again uh, you can get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs by using my link. And this is an affiliate link, so I will benefit if you use this link. It's athleticgreens.com mindfulness. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.